The following audio is from Citizens Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. If you're interested in getting involved with our family, visit citizenscharlotte.com connect. Our teaching text this morning comes from Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. So good to be with you spread out across our city this morning. If you have a Bible or a phone, go ahead and get to Genesis chapter 2. That's where we're going to be kicking off this morning. We are in week two of our series, Rhythms and Formation, where we're talking about what it looks like to live as a disciple or apprentice or follower to Jesus. And a couple of weeks ago, when we kicked off week one, we said that the three movements of discipleship are to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And it all starts with being with Jesus. In order to experience true, rich, deep spiritual formation and maturity, we have to learn what it means to be with Christ or to use the language of the New Testament to abide with Jesus such that we are changed and formed from the inside out. So each week we're looking at different spiritual practices that help us be with Jesus. And today we're talking about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is kind of one of those iceberg kind of topics where you can really deep dive and swim around and study and study and study. In fact, in researching for this sermon, I found that some churches did upwards of 10 weeks of sermons on just the Sabbath alone. And so we have one week and we have 30 minutes. And so we're kind of going to just do a 30,000 feet overview of what the Sabbath is. And if you want to read more on the Sabbath, study more on the Sabbath, go to our spiritual practices website, Rhythms and Formation. Dot com and we have some recommended resources, some books, some podcasts, rhythmsandformation.com. Let's let's start here. What is the Sabbath? What is Sabbath rest? In the Old Testament, there are two main Hebrew words for the word rest. The first is the word Shabbat. That's where we get our English translation of Sabbath. And it means to cease from work or to stop. Think turning off the lawnmower at the end of mowing the lawn or turning off your computer or clocking out at the end of the day. The, the work has ceased. It is finished. The second word the Old Testament uses for rest is nuach. And nuach means to dwell or to settle. Think sitting down in front of a campfire on a cool, brisk fall evening or what, what you do at the end of the day when you get into bed and you kind of shimmy underneath the covers. That's that idea of, of nuach, of settling in, of resting and being present. And these words, Shabbat and Nuach, go hand in hand when it comes to the idea of Sabbath in the Old Testament. Let's start at Genesis 2 verse 1. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. So in Genesis 1, we see God creating the world. He creates the moon, the sun, the stars, land, water, earth, everything. He creates man and woman, plant, plants, animals, all of that. And then this is what happens on the seventh day, verse 2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. 
So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So for the first six days, God labors and works. He creates. And then on the seventh day, he Shabbats, he ceases, he puts down his work. And it's here that God institutes and practices the Sabbath. He sets aside one day and the text says that he makes it holy. He makes it distinct, set apart, unlike the rest. So the other six days he works, he creates, he labors, and yet he blesses and makes this day holy and he rests. Now, I don't want you to get any false theology in your head. God doesn't rest because he's tired. He doesn't rest because he's used up all of his energy molecules. He doesn't rest because he has to and just needs a a me day. He's God. He's not resting because he's tired. Rather, God rests to show us his rhythms for the world. God rests to establish and put before us his sacred pace. In fact, some scholars argue that this is actually God's final act of creating. He's creating rest. Throughout the created order, in Genesis 1 and 2, God creates in parallels. The sun and the moon the light in the dark, day and night, land and sea, male and female, and work and rest. God is teaching us how to live in a sacred pace. He's teaching us his rhythm of life. But the Sabbath is not just about ceasing from work. It's not just about the Shabbat to put our work down. There's another layer to it. A couple of verses later in Genesis 2, verse 15, we read this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. That word translated in English as put him is the Hebrew word nuach. God nuached Adam and Eve. He settled them in the garden in his presence to dwell there. So God creates the whole world. Everything is flourishing exactly as it should be. It's very good. Adam and Eve are in the middle of the garden, cultivating it and tending to it, doing good work. And there's deep intimacy between God and humanity. Everything is right. Everything is as it should be. Humans working, cultivating, tending, and then resting in the presence of God. This was God's original, very good design. This is how things are supposed to be. Then you get to Genesis 3. Things go bad. Adam and Eve rebel, they disobey, and they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden so that they don't enjoy the fullness of God's presence anymore. And then if you skip ahead a few hundred years, now God's people are enslaved in Egypt. They can't Shabbat. They can't cease from working. They're in a foreign land, and God seems silent. He seems distant. He's not present with them. But then in the book of Exodus, God bursts onto the scene again. God rescues his people out of Egypt and begins establishing them as his people. And one of the ways that he establishes them as his people is by giving them laws and commandments. Specifically, what we see him give the Israelite people at Mount Sinai is the Ten Commandments. And the goal behind the Ten Commandments is that when the people of God follow them, they are set apart from other nations. The way that the Israelites lived their lives in accordance with these commandments would be utterly distinct and different from how every other nation lived, such that people would know these are the set-apart people of God. They're different. They don't live like every other nation around them. So some of these commandments are commandments like, honor your father and mother, do not steal, do not murder, do not worship false gods or idols. And one of those commandments, the fourth commandment, is to practice the Sabbath, This is how we read it in Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. God's people were in captivity in Egypt, and God says, I rescued you. I brought you out to myself. So now you're called to live back into the rhythm of God, which we see again in verse 13. Work six days, and then cease work and rest and worship on the seventh day. Why? Because it's a holy day. It's distinct. It's unique. It's set apart. Notice what God says in the commandment. He says, Sabbath, but not only Sabbath, Sabbath to the Lord your God. Set aside this day to rest and enjoy God's presence. That's what this day is for. That's what the Sabbath is for. The call of the Sabbath is to rest in the presence of God. The call of the Sabbath is to rest in the presence of God. It's a day set apart unique, distinct, different from the other six days of working and tending and cultivating and laboring. It's a day set apart to rest in the presence of God. Now at this point, we could stop. I could tell you, all right, so this is what it is. Sabbath, go, set aside a day to rest and be in God's presence. Put your work down one day a week and rest with God. But there's actually a deeper invitation and freedom for us this morning than just a 24-hour day of rest. You see, the fourth commandment was a snapshot of what was to come. It was a good command. It was a good gift to the people of God. It pointed back to God's original creation, order, and rhythm, and design, and sacred pace of six days of work and one day of rest. But it also pointed forward to a better and deeper rest that was to come. See, when Jesus shows up on the scene, as all things do, Sabbath rest gets even better. Let me show you this. Skip ahead to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus comes to earth and his big news, what he comes preaching and proclaiming is that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's Jesus' big message, especially, especially if you read the book of Matthew. Time and time again, Jesus just keeps saying the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. The kingdom of God is breaking forth on the earth. And so much of what Jesus teaches and models during his time on earth is the reality of life in the kingdom. The reality of life under the rule and reign of God. That's what it means to be a part of God's kingdom. Being a part of God's kingdom means you live life with God under his rule and reign. One of the defining aspects of the kingdom of God, Jesus says in Matthew 11. This is what he says, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Remember we said two weeks ago, the yoke was the the way of living, the teachings of the rabbi. He says, take my yoke, my teachings, my way of living upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus comes proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. And one of the markers of being a disciple, an apprentice to Jesus, of living in the kingdom of God is that you are marked by deep and true 
rest. You learn to live in the sacred pace of God. In the very next verse, here's what happens. So Jesus says, hey, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. In the very next verse, Jesus gets in trouble. Like he often does in the gospels. He's, he's getting in trouble because he's traveling around with his disciples and it's on the Sabbath and his disciples get hungry. And so as they're walking through a field, they pick some heads of grain off of the wheat so that they can eat. And this was against some of the man-made laws that the religious leaders had made to help people not work on the Sabbath. And so this is off limits. The religious leaders confront Jesus on it. They're like, what's the, what's the deal? Why don't you not follow our Sabbath laws? And this is what Jesus says, Matthew 12, verse six. It says, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Notice this, verse 8, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I want to make sure you get this. What Jesus is saying is that the goal of the command of the Sabbath is fulfilled in him. The presence of God we were meant to ruach, to settle in, is no longer confined to a temple. It's in a person. The rest, the Shabbat, the ceasing from work God offers is no longer confined to a day. It's in a person. You see, the Sabbath was a day set aside for the people of God to rest in the presence of God. It reminded the Israelites God created them to rest in the abundance of his presence. It reminded them that God saved them and rescued them when they were unable to save themselves. And here's Jesus saying, the presence of God you long for, it's in me. The rest you desire and get a glimpse of one day a week, it's in me. I am true rest. He says, remember when you were physically in bondage and slavery and you couldn't rescue or save yourself? Well, that is also true of you spiritually. And guess what? I'm the answer to that as well. I give freedom. I give rest. Here's what all of that means. Jesus is the true Sabbath rest where we cease from our work and rest in him. Jesus is the true Sabbath rest where we cease from our work and we rest in him. So what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus? On this side of the cross, we're not bound to follow the Jewish laws. They were given to a specific people group at a specific time for a specific purpose. And yet the wisdom of those laws are enduring. So the Sabbath for the people of God on this side of the cross, followers, disciples, apprentices to Jesus, the Sabbath is not a command we are bound to, but it's a promise and a gift we're invited into. It's true now and forever that if, if you are in Christ Jesus, you have entered into true and deep rest in the presence of God. You have the fullness of the presence of God poured out through his Holy Spirit who now lives inside of you. And so the Sabbath is a, is a gift where we get to set aside one day to tangibly remember and celebrate and rest in the reality of the gospel. So we do on the Sabbath, we set aside a day to cease from our work and to settle ourselves and rest in the tangible presence of God. This is how Missy Takano talks about it. She says the Sabbath was supposed to point to Jesus, the one promised through all of Israel's prophets, the one who would restore the rhythm of creation. When followers of Jesus observe the Sabbath, we live as if this restoration has already taken place. We take a break from the broken rhythms of hustle and hardship to set aside a time of submission to his rule and enjoyment of his presence and to extend these things to the world around us. 
Notice this, when we observe the Sabbath well, we become little resting places of God's presence. I love that. When we observe the Sabbath well, we become little resting places of God's presence. So we don't have to follow a bunch of rules and guidelines. We don't have to observe the Sabbath to to have some standing before God. But I want you to see what the invitation for us is. The Sabbath is a spiritual practice where you get to set aside an entire day as a tangible reminder of what is offered to you in the gospel. To stop from working and to rest in the presence of God available to us through Jesus Christ. It's a gift of a day. So at this point, on a surface level, you think the sermon could be done, right? I just told you God invites you into an entire day of once a week where you get to rest. You get to stop working and hustling and striving, and you get to just rest and be in the presence of God and worship Him and celebrate Jesus. You think it'd be easy, done, right? This is the most easy application command ever. Take a day off, right? Rest with God, celebrate God. But, but it's been my experience, both as a pastor, but also a disciple and follower of Jesus, that the practice of Sabbath, setting aside an entire day to rest in the presence of God, is easier said than done. It's hard. It's hard for us to cease. It's hard for us to step away. It's hard for us to rest and to stop. And I think there's a few reasons why. I'll give you three. Three barriers to us practicing the Sabbath. The first is laziness. Laziness. For, for some of us, we don't rest in God because we're too busy trying to rest in everything else. The most helpful parallel I've heard used to describe it is the difference between rest and escape. We don't know how to separate out healthy Godward, worshiping, celebrating Jesus' rest because we're too busy running to things that don't actually give true rest in Him. We're too busy net, uh, binging Netflix or vegging out or doing whatever. And so we try to look for rest everywhere that's not God. Keeps us from the Sabbath. Another way that laziness shows up is that we don't view work as a gift from God. We don't exert ourselves. We don't hear the first part of the fourth commandment, which is to work hard for six days leading up to the seventh day of rest. And so we don't give ourselves away in good, healthy, faithful work, joining God in his mission to renew the world wherever he has us. We don't step out in faith and exert ourselves. And so it's hard to set aside that other day for rest. Laziness can be a barrier to us practicing the Sabbath. The second barrier is workism. Workism. For others of us, we, we don't know how to stop. We don't know how to sabbat. We don't know how to cease and to refrain and to put our work down. Last year, uh, Derek Thompson, who's a writer for The Atlantic, uh, he tried to talk about the relationship that Americans have to their work. And, and so in order to kind of talk about it, he invented this new term called workism. Think like Buddhism, Hinduism, and now workism. And this is how he defined workism. He said, workism is the belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life's purpose. So in the article, Thompson argues that as traditional religion has declined in America, it begins to be replaced by a variety of new ways to find meaning and purpose and value and identity, to belong and to feel like we matter. And we, we talked about this a little while ago, that as humans, all of us worship. 
We all have to have something that we give our lives away to and in return receive meaning and value and identity and purpose. And so he says, because traditional religion where we used to look to God for that, we used to give our lives away to him since that's been declining, that we're stuck looking for a bunch of other things to find identity and value and purpose and to to worship. And he says, we've replaced worship of God with worship of things like family and parenting and kids with things like technology politics, fitness, and health. And he says the overwhelming favorite in our culture is that we've started to worship work. Hence the term workism. It says we give our lives away to work and thinking it promises identity and value and purpose and meaning. And so what that means is that we don't know how to put it down. We don't know how to stop. We don't know how to cease. We, we don't let ourselves rest in the presence of God to be reminded of the identity offered to us freely in the person and work of Jesus. We don't know how to stop. That's the second workism. The third is pride. Pride. Some of us don't Sabbath because we're too busy playing God. This is how one Hebrew scholar says it. Sabbath is an acceptance of the sovereignty of God. I love that. Sabbath is a chance to go, you know what? I'm not in control. Some of us can't Sabbath because we think that we hold all things together. We think we play the role of God in our world or at least in our lives Right where we think we keep the world spinning, we think we keep our lives going, we think if we stop, if we cease, all of it's going to fall apart because we, under our power, hold all things together. And Sabbath is a chance to go, no, we are not God, and that is a good thing. He holds all things together. He keeps the earth spinning on its axis. We can put our work down. We can step away. We can cease for a day because we don't hold all things together. Scripture says that God, the creator of all, he is the one who holds it all together. And so we can cease and practice the Sabbath as an acceptance of the sovereignty of God. Sabbath is a gift. It's a gift. So the question for us today is what would it look like for you to push back against these barriers, push back against these resistances of laziness and workism and pride and actually learn to rest in the work of Jesus and the presence of God's spirit? What would it look like for you to say no to laziness, no to worship of work, no to pride thinking you are God and hold it all together and actually rest and enjoy God's presence one day out of the week? Can be helpful. Let me let me show you uh, what it looks like for Lindsay and I. So we we don't do this perfectly. Uh, we both love to work. We both love to accomplish and to achieve. And so just the idea of Sabbath pushes back against that. And so we haven't always done this perfectly. We still don't always do this perfectly. But this is a little bit of what Sabbath looks like for us. And so my work week as a pastor is I work Sunday to Thursday. So Friday is kind of my beginning of my weekend. Uh, And so we start our Sabbath. Uh, We kind of run our Sabbath from Thursday dinner to Friday dinner. We start our Sabbath on on Thursday night. Usually it looks like date night. We get somebody to watch Harper and we go out and we just spend time connecting as a couple, checking in on each other, asking good questions and just hanging out, enjoying being friends and being, being married. And then I wake up Friday morning. Usually I'll watch Harper and Lindsay will just go get time away. She'll go to a park or go to a coffee shop to read her Bible, to pray, to spend time with Jesus and just kind of pause and and breathe for a little bit. And then usually I'll watch Harper and then while Harper's taking a nap, I'll get some time with the Lord as well. 
we eat lunch together as a family and then we kind of tag out. So Lindsay will watch Harper in the afternoon and I'll usually go do something uh, physically active, something that just gets my, my uh, energy out, get some sweat going. I spend most of the day uh, in a chair studying and reading and spending time with people. And so it's good just to go uh, breathe heavy for a little bit. And so usually I'll go play disc golf, go get out in nature. I'll play uh, regular golf, things like that. Just something to, to be outside and enjoy God's creation. And then come back together. And on Friday night, we usually try to have some friends over, some just enjoy some good food, some good company, some good drink, all of that. And then we'll usually watch a movie or a good documentary to kind of close out the night. That's what Sabbath looks like for us. It's, it's not overly complicated. It's not some crazy thing. We just, we rest from our work. We enjoy God and his gifts. We enjoy each other. We enjoy our family and we jo- enjoy other people. And this looks different depending on your season of life. If you're single, Sabbath is going to look different. If you're married without kids, it's going to look different. If you're married with kids, it's, it's going to look different depending on what you're able to do and what you're not able to do. There's a lot of freedom here to kind of figure it out and try some things and it's going to look different. So have some grace for where you're at and where your season is Sabbath according to that. I think Sabbath is also going to look different depending on your personality and your wiring. Right. So I'm pretty introverted. And so for me, it's not a Sabbath. It's not restful for me to go to a party with 40 people. Like that's not rest. I'm not going to look forward to that. It's not going to help me enjoy the presence of God and worship him. And so I'll do that. I'll do that on other days, but I got a Sabbath according to my personality. And so for me, that looks like getting a few people and just enjoying a smaller group in the company of, of a few friends. So it looks different depending on your seasons of life, depending on your personality. But for all of us, the basic building blocks are there. We stop working. We cease from our labor. We put it down. We spend intentional time with Jesus. We enjoy God's presence and his gifts. It's the goal of the Sabbath, a tangible reminder of the presence of God and the work of Jesus in our lives. Here's the easy practical application for all of us this week. Practice a Sabbath. Do a Sabbath. Pick a day. Set a day aside to actually enjoy God's presence and to enjoy his gifts and to worship him. Best way to do this uh, is to get on our series website, rhythmsandformation.com. We have a super helpful, practical how-to guide on the Sabbath, and it has tips and tricks and just practical, think about this, think about this. And then at the very end of the guide, we have a step-by-step plan to help you implement the Sabbath into your life. It's just going to walk you through it. So all you have to do is go to rhythmsandformation.com. You got to click on downloading the Sabbath practice guide. and It'll walk you through everything step by step on how to plan a Sabbath schedule, get it on your calendar and how to actually practice it such that it's beneficial and restful and healthy and directs your attention towards Jesus. What you got to do, get the guide, rhythmsinformation.com. We worked really hard to make it accessible where you can just pick it up and go for it. So I think it's going to be really, really helpful as we implement the practice of the Sabbath in our lives as a church. Here's where I want to close. African church father, St. Augustine of Hippo is famously quoted as saying this, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. The goal is not to walk away from this sermon feeling bad, that we don't stop our work for a day, or we don't rest well with Jesus, and so we got to go do some more stuff. We got to go try harder. That's the tension of the Sabbath, right? We don't want to walk away going, I got to work really hard at my rest. I got to just do more so I can rest. That's not the goal. Here's what I need you to hear. You were created to rest in the presence of God. 
That's what you were created for, to rest in his presence. And Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the invitation of the gospel, to rest in Christ. And so you can keep burning the candle on both ends. You can keep going for it. You can keep hustling. You can keep laboring 24-7 trying to get ahead, but it won't satisfy. It'll never be enough. It won't give you what you crave and what you long for. You can keep being unwilling to, to put your work down, thinking that you hold your life and your family and your world together, thinking you keep the earth spinning on its access, but it's not going to work. You can look up and down for ways to retreat and escape, to find rest in everything that's not Jesus, but ultimately it's not going to satisfy and it's only going to leave you wanting more and being more tired. Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, come to me. Come to me and find rest for your souls. And the Sabbath is a gift that we get to pause once a week and put down our trying to be God and rest in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. We get to practice being at home with God. We get to remember God's presence that we will dwell in for eternity. So this week, as we think about the Sabbath, Sabbath, as we think about practicing resting in the presence of God, let the first step that you take be repentance. Repent from trying to hold it all together. Repent from trying to do it all. Repent from trying to control the directory of your life. Repent from trying to be God and rest in the presence of God and enjoy the Sabbath. We pray for us. God, we are, are so thankful now you would give us this gift of the Sabbath. We get to tangibly remember what Christ has done for us, that he invites us into a true and deeper rest, that because of his life, death, and resurrection, we can be in your presence. And I pray this week that you would help our church put down our work to cease from our doing for a day and get to rest with you. We get to spend time turning our hearts towards you, stirring our affections towards you, that we would actually be a church where we just pause for a day for 24 hours and we go, you know what? We're going to worship and celebrate Jesus. And that's all we're doing today. We're not working. We're not laboring. We're not hustling. We're just resting in God and enjoying who he is. Would you help us to put this practice into our daily and our, to our weekly routines? We would do it over and over and over again, week in and week out, that we'd be a restful people that find rest in you, that practice the Sabbath as a means of forming us more and more into the image of Christ. We love you. Help us to push back against these barriers. We need your spirit. We need your power. Probably in Jesus' name. Amen.